Welcome to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Skin care and plastic surgery are hot topics these days. Let Dr. Rubenstein answer your questions and explain what you'll want to look for in aesthetic products and cosmetic procedures. Get ready for a discussion about all things aesthetic. Now, live from Miami, Florida, American Board Certified Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Welcome to New Reflections. I'm Dr. Adam Rubenstein, and this week we're joined by a guest host, Cherie Wagner. Cherie, welcome to New Reflections. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, we're happy to have you on the show. This week we've got a great show. We're talking about fillers. Fillers are one of the most popular things done. Aside from things like Botox and Dysport, they are the number two most popular thing done non-surgically in the United States. Now, the fillers we're talking about are all the kinds of things you use to plump up wrinkles. And we're going to go through a whole host of different products that we're going to talk about. We've got a bunch of guests coming on the show, all experts in various types of fillers. And we're going to dive into all sorts of things. You're going to get a whole education this week on injectable fillers. So start the show. We're going to talk, I mean, just talk a little bit about the differences between some injectables. The, uh, there's a big difference between things like Botox and Dysport and fillers that we're talking about. And people will co- sometimes come to the office and they say, oh, I've got these deep lines around my nose and mouth. I think I need Botox. Well, Botox, we've done this before on the show. We talked about Botox and, and Dysport, the neurotoxins, that relax muscle. And they're great for making wrinkles soften up or even go away, but they don't fill up the skin or add volume anywhere. Uh, what what we do uh, have are various types of fillers that will plump the skin and will add volume. And we're talking about all of those today. Now, there's two types of fillers for the skin and for the tissue. There's dermal fillers and structural fillers. Well, what the heck does that mean? When you're looking at your skin, you see these fine lines or folds in the skin, and you're trying to plump the skin itself, you need a dermal filler, really fine lines, deep folds, those things can be filled with dermal fillers that actually plump the skin itself. When we're talking about adding volume to an area like sunken cheeks or sunken temples, that's more of a structural filler. And we're going to talk about both of them today on the show. To start off with, in this country, collagen has the longest history and sad to say, you can't use it anymore. You can't get collagen anymore because nobody will sell it. It's been replaced by hyaluronic acids. We all know the collagen are these little fibers in your skin, and they're a natural component of your skin. Well, you can you used to be able to have the collagen injected into the skin and replacing things you may be missing, plumping areas, and it worked great, but initially it had a really short duration. It would only last in your skin about three, four months. Then along came hyaluronic acids, and namely the first one was Restylane. And when Restylane came out, it changed everything in the United States. Now, it had been used in Europe for a long time, but in the United States, when Restylane came out, it introduced hyaluronic acids, and that was the first time we had uh, a, a hyaluronic acid in this country. And it, that had longer duration. It lasted about five or six months. It was a smooth material. It could do things that collagen couldn't do. But that is where things have gone now. Now, there used to be a collagen product called Evalence, which was around a, a couple of years ago. It was a great uh, collagen product. It would last up to a year. But collagen is so expensive to make that the company that was making it and selling it in the United States didn't want to keep doing it. They couldn't compete with the hyaluronic acids. Now, when we're talking about hyaluronic acids, there's four different durations that we have currently today. 
There's uh, a product that lasts, oh, a month to three months, you know, one to three months, something called Prevel, very thin, very light. Then there's a product called Restylane, uh, and that also competes with Juvederm Ultra, and that lasts about five or six months. And then we've got Perlane and Juvederm Ultra Plus. They're compatible, made by different companies, and they last about eight or nine months, sometimes up to a year. And then there's Hydrel, which is the thickest hyaluronic acid, and that lasts up to a year, sometimes a little more. Now, beyond the dermal fillers, we also have structural fillers that I mentioned. These are things that add bulk to your cheeks, to your temples, just generally adding volume overall, and Sculpture is one of them. We're also uh, talking about Radiesse today, and they are both different types of structural fillers, and we're going to get to that uh, a little bit later in the show. Right now, I want to introduce our first guest, who's going to come on the show and talk about Juvederm, I'd like to introduce Dr. John Diaz. He's a board-certified plastic surgeon in California and Los Angeles. Dr. Diaz, welcome to New Reflections. Hi. Th thank you, Dr. Rubenstein. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, it's nice to have you on the show. Uh, you may know Dr. Diaz. He's been on, uh, had many uh, appearances. He was, re you know, long ago, actually not that long ago, he was featured as one of the doctors on Dr. 90210. So we're privileged to have Dr. Diaz with us today. Dr. Well, Diaz. Well, thank you. Privileged to be here. Well, it's, it's, it's great to have you on the show. We're going to talk about Juvederm. Tell me, what are you using Juvederm for in your practice? I, I use, well, like you said, Dr. Rubenstein, um, the, the two, the, well, there's the formulations of Juvederm, the Ultra and then the Ultra Plus. And then there's the XC version, which is a formulation that has some lidocaine in it, which is a numbing medication. I end up using Juvederm Ultra the most. Uh, without the extra lidocaine. Um, and I just use that mostly for the nasolabial folds, which are the folds that are running from the side of the nose down to the mouth area. Uh -huh. That's that's primarily what I use it for. Almost, I would say 90% of the patients that I treat uh, with Juvederm is for that, that one area. Now, with Ultra, you know, I, I, I've been using all these things for a while myself. And with Ultra, I find that you're getting about five or six months of duration you know, whatever you do today, in about five or six months, you're going to have to come back and have it done again. Has that been your experience? Yeah, I agree 100%. I've had the same experience. Well, I find that when I use Ultra Plus that I get a little bit longer duration. Uh, it is a little thicker. It's not as malleable or, or as soft as Ultra, and you can't use it in some of the thinner things. But I, I've been using Ultra Plus now for a while, and I do like using it in the thicker the places that need more plumping. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, that's that's absolutely what it is being uh, advertised or marketed for. I've I've, ha I've used it in a couple of just a handful of patients because I've had such good experience with the the ultra and like like uh, many doctors, I'm reluctant to switch to anything new once I've acquired some good familiarity with one product. I'm reluctant to switch, but uh, the few patients I had with the Ultra Plus, it, it was I wasn't. I wasn't completely convinced that it lasted significantly longer, but it may it may have lasted maybe an extra month or two. That, that and that's just based on the few uh, patients that I treated. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think it's fair. And of course, there's going to be some variability from one patient to another. You know, someone that gets Ultra uh, versus Ultra Plus. If you're using it exactly in the same uh, patient, then you can get a good sense, but it, it may not last quite as long. It, you know, there, it, it, there's going to be some differences from one patient to the next. Now, you mentioned yeah. the XC. Now, are you are you using mostly XC now? That's the stuff that has the lidocaine in it. 
Yeah, when I when it first came out, I was very excited to use it because, as you I'm sure know, one of the uh, challenges is that the uh, when you're injecting the Juvederm, uh, you know, okay, there's the occasional patient that it's very easy and they're comfortable and there's no problem. But the vast majority of patients will have a little discomfort with the injection. So the XC was marketed as something that was going to be easier to inject with less pain and less discomfort. I was very excited to start using it, and I ordered uh, several vials and was using it. But I found that it takes a while before the lidocaine contained in the mixture, which is the numbing medication, actually starts working enough that the patient experiences some benefits. So what I found was that it wasn't really helping me in terms of decreasing patient discomfort. And now do you do blocks when you do these injections? Well, that's just what I was going to say. I, before using the Juvederm XC version, I would do local blocks, which is where I would inject the main nerves, sensory nerves, located in the areas I was injecting. I would inject that separately with lidocaine, wait until it took effect, and then inject the Juvederm. And I had a great uh, experiences doing that method. Then when the when I tried the XC, I left out the block, and I just used it the, with the XC, and I found that I was having patients complain of discomfort. Okay. Uh, well, let, let's clear something up so that folks out there can really understand. What we're talking about are products that are made by Allergan. And Allergan makes a bunch of different products. They make breast implants, they make Botox, and they also make these fillers Juvederm. And the, the Juvederm we're talking about is a type of hyaluronic acid. Now, what Dr. Diaz was explaining is that we used to only have Juvederm without any kind of anesthetic mixed into it. And not that long ago, they introduced uh, Juvederm XC. And the XC is the one that has uh, the little bit of lidocaine, sort of like the Novocaine that uh, dentists use to numb, to numb you when you go there. That's the same kind of stuff that we use when we do surgical procedures. That's now mixed into the Juvederm when you're talking about Juvederm XC. And uh, I've found uh, that it does make a bit of a difference. Now, you're right, Dr. Diaz, when you say that there are some patients that will just kind of lay there and let you do almost anything with these injectables. And, and, you know, they're they're very comfortable, kind of stoic about it. But there are lots of people that do have discomfort. And I agree with you completely. I always offer my patients a block. And the block that we're talking about is using the actual lidocaine, a separate injection of lidocaine, around the nerves of the face so that you can numb the area. You can, you can basically make the entire area around your lips, uh, from your nose down to your chin, completely numb. And you'll be totally comfortable when you're having these injections done. Now, the, the numbing injections hurt a little bit, but you'll be a lot more comfortable once that's done because you'll be numb, and you will be numb for hours. Right, and what have you, so do you... Do you use the Juvederm XC? Is that some? Is that a product that you've been very happy with, or do you just yeah, use the? Yeah, uh, I do. I, I've been using XC, and I think it does make a difference. But uh, you know, I, I think I, I leave it up to the patient in terms of whether they want a block, whether I have XC or not. I still offer the the block if they want it. Then then we do the block. It just takes an extra minute. I was wondering. I had a question um, for both of you. Uh, what about the time frame when you have these injectables or these fillers put in? What are the results? Do you walk out of the office and and it's completely filled in and you look refreshed, or is there a time frame that you have to wait for it to start working? That's a great question. That's a great question. 
Uh, Dr. Diaz, you want to answer that? Sure, sure. I, I try to, using the Juvederm products, I try to create an immediate result. So I, I treat the areas, and my goal is to correct it fully while the patient is there in the room. And usually when I'm done, the correction is obvious. They have a great result. As you said, they look refreshed, and, and the folds are usually corrected. Or so whatever other area we're, we're trying to improve has already improved. And then they, they go home. And some, I have some patients who sometimes come in between work. They may yeah, have a sure. break in the middle of the day. I, I give them the treatment uh, with the injections, and they go right back to work, uh, you know, half an hour later. Yeah, that's one of the beauties of these injectable treatments is that you do see these immediate results. Now, you will have a little bit of redness from the inflammation of the injections, and you might, in some instances, it's not that common, but occasionally you get a little tiny bruise from the needle stick, uh, but that's thankfully not very common. Generally, you leave the office after these injections, and you look great. Well, we're going to take a short break now, and when we come back, we're going to introduce Dr. Melissa Lazarus, who's a board-certified dermatologist, We've been hearing about Juvederm. She's going to talk to us about Restylane and Perlane. And we'll be back after just a few short words here on New Reflections. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to New Reflections. I'm Dr. Adam Rubenstein, board-certified plastic surgeon, and I have my guest host with me, Cherie Wagner. We're here talking about... Hi, Cherie, jumping in there. Uh, We're here talking about fillers. And we just got off with Dr. John Diaz, who was telling us about Juvederm Ultra and Ultra Plus. Now I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Melissa Lazarus, who's a board-certified dermatologist. She is uh, has been a consultant for both Allergan and... Uh, uh, the wrestling and Perlane folks, Metasys, and we're lucky to have her this morning. She's going to talk to us about Restylane and Perlane from Metasys. Dr. Lazarus, welcome to New Reflections. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. You see, we were just hearing about Juvederm Ultra and Ultra Plus, and in my estimation, Restylane and Perlane are kind of the competitive products. It's sort of like a Coke and Pepsi type of thing to a certain extent, but I think there's some differences in how they handle yeah, I, you know, that's what I usually explain to my patient exactly the same way. It's, it's Coke and Pepsi. They're very similar, but they are different in some ways. Um, the content of hyaluronic acid, which is when we're talking about these type of fillers, that's the ingredient, the main ingredient in both of them. Um, we talk about how soft they are and how hard the products are. That's the main difference between both. Both of them have the same amount of ingredients, meaning hyaluronic acid, but they do have different textures, and the way they feel is a little bit different. Yeah, they do, and I I find just when I'm injecting them that they handle a little bit differently. So I've kind of taken to using them for certain jobs. Do you have your favorite places you like to use these different things? Yeah, that's actually how I've ended up using them. I use certain things. When I want a little more lift, I use a product like Perlane. Um, If I want something a little bit softer in the lips, I'll use a little bit of Juvederm. Um, and then depending, you know, on nasolabial folds and things like that, depending on what I'm trying, what the nasolabial fold looks like, I'll, I'll choose between the different products between Restylane and Juvederm. Yeah, I think that's a good guidance. Well, tell us, tell us about Restylane and Perlane. What, what is your experience with it? Where do you use the Restylane and Perlane in the face? Um, well, the, the main difference between the two products is how much hyaluronic acid is in them, meaning how much of the filler material is in them. So. The restaurant tends to be a little bit thinner so that you would use it somewhere that you don't need as much robust filling. So maybe, and it would really depend on the patient. Some patients just need, you know, a little bit of, of filler. Some of our younger patients or patients whose nasolabial folds aren't quite as deep, meaning the line that runs between the nose and the corner of the mouth. That's the nasolabial exactly. fold. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes when they're not quite so deep or you have a younger patient who's just starting with filler, I'll use a Restylane product, you know, a, a lighter product. Um, and then when you get into older patients and you need more filling and you need something that's going to last a little bit longer, um, I'll go with a product like Perlane. It's a little bit thicker. And the other difference between the two products is how long they last. Um, Restylane is said to last about four to six months, and Perlane, I usually tell my patients, lasts about six to nine months. Yeah, I found that Perlane, in my practice, I usually tell folks that it's about eight or nine months of Perlane because the duration of Perlane is pretty long. Now, 
There have been, and I don't want to get you in trouble because you you have done some consulting for both companies, but but today I'm uh, today I'm speaking on behalf of me. I'm not speaking on behalf of any of the companies. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So <laughs> I, I'd be curious to see what you think of this because I I know my opinion, and I know what the claims are. Sometimes there'll be ads out there that claim that, uh, particularly with Juvederm, I've seen some things where, and and maybe they have a study that backs this up, but they've claimed even up to 12 months of duration. Yeah, actually, in those studies, what they found, um, I've actually examined those studies, and what they actually found was in some patients, not in all of the patients, but in a statistically significant number of patients, meaning when they did the study, um, there were enough patients that they could say that legally. Um, mm -hmm. It lasted up to a year. Now, that's not saying that that does that in every patient. I never tell all of my patients that that's going to happen. Um, I usually, I'm very realistic with them. I'd rather under, you know, undersell and overperform. So I would sure. usually tell them six to nine months. And if they get more than that, great. Um, but full correction, I don't think you get more than six to nine months out of it. Yeah. I, I have sorry, a question you? too. Sure. Um, when you were speaking on younger age groups and versus wrestling and purling, um, when you have a patient that's coming in, how do you decipher that? Is it actually an age number that you should start maintaining things um, that you suggest or, um, you know, say the Restylane? I mean, is there a certain age group, I guess, as I'm asking as a female patient, if I came in there and said, okay, I'm the age of 25 to 30, do you recommend that? Or do, do you start at 30 to 35 or 40? Like, uh, you know, that's a good question. Yeah, I think, I think the question really speaks to how, is there a certain age that you begin worrying about this stuff? And I, in my opinion, and, and Dr. Lazarus, you tell us what you think, I, I think that it really has little to do with age and has more to do with your anatomy. I've, I would feel comfortable having a 22-year-old come in that had really deep nasolabial folds, those, those smile lines in the sides of your nose and mouth. If they were real deep, even on a 20-something-year-old, I would feel fine about injecting those, whereas if a 40-year-old came in and didn't really have much of a fold, I'd leave her alone or, or him alone. So I, to me, it's not an age question so much as it is just the way you look. Okay. I agree. I completely agree with you. I, don't, I think the actual... Um, chronological age, so the, the number doesn't mean quite as much as, as actually what a patient looks like. It's just, it, you know, younger patients tend to have less, but that doesn't mean that they, they always do. I have lots of, you know, older patients that have less and younger patients that have more, so that I don't think the number makes a difference. Yeah, so I'd when, agree with that. So when you have somebody that comes in and, and they say to you, okay, well, which one do you suggest, the Restylane or Perlene, and you give them, do you do it based on, you know, does the patient say, I have this amount of money to spend or I need it to Ah, well, there's a great question. Right. <laughs> every woman wants right away for the least amount of money and side effects. So. Yeah, well, that's a that's a great that's a great question because I, I, at least in my practice I can speak to what my experience is and there definitely are patients that are driven by budget and they you, you will sometimes choose to use something that will last a little longer that in order to help them save some money and have this stuff have them come back less frequently so they can afford to do what they're doing and then there are some patients that, you know that they have a limited budget and you're not going to be able to use as much material as you really would like to use because they just can't afford to pay for it. So you do make choices based on budget. What do you think, Dr. Lazarus? No, I, I agree completely. I try, I try to be realistic with the patient and let them know what they, what they need and what they can expect. 
But if someone, I definitely try to go for the longest lasting product within that, you know, whatever their budget. I want them to have something that will last that they'll be happy with. But I'm not going to give them something that will last longer that's not going to look good. Because some of these thicker products, if you put them somewhere where, you know, that the area really requires something thinner, they're not going to look very good. You're going to have one of those patients that has, you've probably seen them with the ridges. You can see they've had the filler placed there. Yeah, um, I agree. So, well, not to mention that yeah. there are certain areas you don't want to use thicker stuff. If someone comes in for a lip augmentation, at least I'm not going to reach for Perlane or Juvederm Ultra Plus. I'm going to be using yeah. either Juvederm Ultra or Restylane, depending upon what they're looking for. I might even choose Prevel. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, if, I think if you went ahead and did something like uh, putting Perlane in, which is really only slightly more expensive than Restylane, or using Juvederm Ultra Plus versus the regular Ultra, because you're trying to make it last longer, you put it in the wrong place, you can make something that's really not very attractive. You put it in the lips, and they're going to look like a platypus, potentially. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so how do you, so if a patient says, you know, I want something that, that's not noticeable, that's just making you look fresh, that you can't tell that you've had things done, what do you suggest to them, the Restylane or Perlane? Or does uh, it matter? It really matters where you're going to be putting it in. And uh, I think if you're going to be doing lips, for example, you use the thinner material, you're going to be doing those uh, smile lines or uh, nasolabial folds, then you're looking at something thicker in most patients. But again, you're kind of matching it to anatomy. What's your approach, Dr. Lazarus? I actually go about it exactly the same way. It really depends on the patient and what what they need. And that's the nice thing about these products is you can kind of personalize it to what each patient needs. Um, and then select a product based on that. Now, let me ask you, Dr. Lazarus, are you using any Hydrel or Prevel? Um, I was using, I like Prevel. Um, I actually have not used Hydra, uh, the Hydrel product, but I have used the Prevel. Um, I like Prevel for, it doesn't last quite as long. In my experience, it's about a month and a half to two months, even though they say three months. Um, but I like it for patients, especially in the lips, who are not sure if they want to do lip, lip augmentation, meaning having their lips made fuller. And they kind of want to try it. They don't want to be it stay for four to six months. They just want to see if they like it. Or someone who's trying their nasolabial folds for the first time, um, I'll use Prevel just you know just so they can see what it looks like. And then usually they'll come back for the you know for the longer lasting product. But it's a good way to try it without really committing for a long time. That's exactly how I use it. Yeah, I kind of refer to it as dipping your toe in the filler pool. <laughs> where you know you're gonna you're gonna use it just for that short term thing, kind of get a sense for what it's gonna look like. And like you said, if they like it, they come back. You know, I always tell my patients these fillers are a double edged sword. There's good and bad. Uh, the good news is if you don't like it, it's gonna go away. And the bad news is if you like it, it's gonna go away. <gasps> yep. <laughs> and so the other nice thing, patients like it because it costs a little bit less. So right, in, at right. least in my practice, so it's a way to kind of try it. Is you know, and and it works very well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, when when you're dealing with uh, with patients that come in with limited budget, what's what's your approach? I mean, what is your your product of choice when you know that they're, that they're trying to get a decent duration? What are you reaching for mostly? What's the the mainstay of what you're using? Ooh, I probably use them all equivalently, actually. Um, apparently, I'm a very heavy Perlane user, they've told me. <laughs> um, and I think maybe that's my patient uh, product of my patient population. Um, I tend to use, I pretend to use them all equivalently, but I, I, I go for a lot of Perlane lately. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, mid-facial rejuvenation, mm-hmm. um, meaning um, in the cheeks. You know, a lot of people have nasolabial folds because the cheeks start to sag. 
as they get older, and that actually makes that line between your nose and the corner of your mouth seem a little bit deeper, mainly because that support system is lost. And um, now, so now that's I'm, a good that's a good point. Let me ask you: Are you then stepping into things like using Sculptra or Radius for structural filling? Um, I use a little bit of Sculptra. Um, I don't use a lot of Radius. Uh, I prefer Perlane, and I like that. You know, it doesn't last quite as long. So if the patient isn't super happy with it, we can always try something different. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't had anyone not be happy with it. People love it, um, but I'm just more comfortable with the Perlane product. Yeah, I so use a lot you, of perline too. Do you use perline in the cheeks then as well, or just the navial fold? No, I use it. I'll use it anywhere that you know it, it's appropriate. But I do. I use it a lot in the a lot in the cheeks because I find in my patient population the cheeks start to sag, and when you start just filling between the nose and the corner of the mouth, sometimes you probably see these patients. They look very heavy around. I call it. They look almost like horse-like. They get very heavy in the middle of the you know by around the mouth area. So what you can do is put a little bit in the cheek area, and that actually will lift that area up. And it's not enough that you actually see it. You put it so that they don't see it, but it will you know, gives you a little bit of support, and it really makes a big difference. Yeah, I think maybe it has something to do with it causing even just an inflammatory reaction that helps get some new collagen in the area. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, this, this has been a great discussion. We do have to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to start talking about some of the structural fillers. And we'll be joined by Dr. Will Richardson, who's another board-certified dermatologist, talking about Sculptra. We'll be back right after these messages here on New Reflection. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Do you know if kidney disease is affecting you? Are your kidneys healthy? You may have kidney disease and not even be aware of it. 26 million people have been affected by kidney disease. Teenagers today are being diagnosed with symptoms such as high blood pressure, diabetes, and obesity. These conditions can worsen kidney health and cause kidney disease. Be sure to tune in to improve your kidney health with your host, Dr. Rich Snyder, every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The information you get on this program could help save your life. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. 
That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Well, welcome back to New Reflections. We just had a huge discussion about all the hyaluronic acid products. We're talking about Juvederm and Restylane and Perlane, even mentioned Prevel, a little bit of Hydrel. But now we're leaving the world of dermal fillers, and we're going to get into some structural fillers I want to introduce you to Dr. Will Richardson. He's a board-certified dermatologist here in South Florida, and he's going to speak with us today about Sculptra. Dr. Richardson, welcome to New Reflections. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show to talk about Sculptra. Sculptra is a fantastic product. Uh, It's a little different from all the other molecules that have been addressed so far. Uh, It sounds like I caught a little brief discussion on some of the hyaluronic acid molecules for soft tissue correction and maybe even a little bit of lifting. Sculptra is unique. It runs in the class of the stimulatory fillers, poly-L-lactic acid, and these stimulatory fillers basically are used to uh, do a little more uh, natural-appearing contouring of the aging face. It's used to stimulate the body's own natural collagen to be produced in areas of volume loss. You know, I never heard of it referred to that way. That's a great way to describe what Sculptra does. It's a stimulatory filler. See, for those of you listening, we just were talking about those dermal fillers. Remember, that's where you inject into the skin physically, into the dermis of the skin, and you're plumping that portion of the skin. So you're adding volume into the depressions that make wrinkles. But now we're talking about something that's actually building volume in the face, trying to make your own tissue grow there. And that's where that stimulatory word comes into play, because when you inject Sculptra, the idea is really not that the stuff you inject will replace or add volume. It's the stuff you're injecting causing your own tissue to grow. Isn't that how it works, Dr. Richardson? Absolutely, and that's one of the things that really makes Sculptra stand out is that you are not injecting uh, a manufactured molecule to do the volume replacement. We're really kind of turning on the body's own natural collagen production mechanisms to create a more natural appearing contour to the skin. Yeah, and I think it is unique. When Sculptra became available, really it was the only way to do just that, to have something put into the tissue that makes your own collagen grow. It makes your own tissue grow and add volume. Now, when this was first introduced, we should probably give a little history. All these products, while they're used for cosmetic purposes, they have specific uses that are approved by the FDA. And now everything is approved for cosmetic use that we're talking about, including Sculptra. But when Sculptra first came out, it was really primarily approved for use in the temples of HIV patients because when they take their medications to fight HIV, they had a lot of wasting of the the fatty tissue and the muscle tissue around the temples, which would make them look really drawn. And that was where it was first introduced. Now, you're talking about someone who's immunosuppressed, and if you can take a product that will help someone who's immunosuppressed and somewhat debilitated grow and look fuller and better, Imagine the response that you can get from someone who is perfectly healthy without that type of infection. That is a very good point, Dr. Rubenstein, and I do find that in all of my normal healthy adults, I use it certainly in South Florida and HIV population as well as in uh, a growing population of healthy, attractive, you know, 34 to 55-year-old females with fantastic results. I did hear you touch on just briefly earlier 
the use of molecules like perlene to do lifting, and you also kind of touched on a topic that is is very near and dear to my heart, and that's the division of the aging face into two separate compartments to look at. There is the bony remodeling that occurs according to Pessa and colleagues in the Journal of Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery in 2007, this bony compartment in combination with the age-related changes demonstrated in the soft tissue, uh, particularly there are about five to six fat compartments of the face. This is where sculpture really stands out. We're now able to place this molecule in periosteal, which is adjacent to the bony structures in the face to reconstruct those losses that occur with aging, we could now replenish that bony tissue using Sculptra. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, what we're seeing with aging, and that was demonstrated in the, in the journal and we see it presented in meetings too, that aging has a couple of components and there's certain things that can be fixed with injections and other things that you really need to rely upon uh, surgery for. But when we're talking about loss of volume, that's what all these injectable things can do well, is they can replace volume. And when you're talking about volume loss or sagging in the skin, to a certain extent, that can be corrected by the hyaluronic acids or the dermal fillers we were talking about earlier. But when you're talking about loss of fat or loss of bone volume, which, which does seem to happen with aging over many years, something like Sculptra is a perfect answer to it. Now, I've had great success with it. I haven't seen any issues, but I'm aware that there are some people that uh, claim that things like Sculptra and really some of the other products more so uh, may have some side effects. Have you seen any downsides to using Sculptra? When you start talking about bony reconstruction by placing the product adjacent to the bone, the product is so deep underneath all the normal musculature of the face and the various fatty compartments that you really don't have an issue with any nodularity. Now, certainly, if you go to the company website and if you look at any consent form, there is a discussion of nodules and bruising. Uh, however, the only time you see those particular side effects is if you're too superficial or if the uh, injector uh, perhaps has a little bit of the product left at the tip of the needle as they are withdrawing through the dermis and the epidermis to perhaps change to another syringe, you can get deposits of the molecule in the dermis. This is, of course, is injector experience related, and I, I do not see that very often, perhaps in the temple. In the temple, it's a very delicate area. You have to use micro deposits on the order of 0.05 cc's uh, per injection site to really get that nice, smooth contour as opposed to larger volume injections that you may use to place around the zygoma and the periosteum and the face region. Huh. You know, I, I haven't seen many myself, but I guess it's, it's theoretically possible. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen a nodule in a sculpture patient, uh, or people call them granulomas. I think you're right. If you're, you're inje- something you're injecting pretty deep, because you're putting it into those areas you were describing, and you're putting it uh, into the cheek, the zygoma is the cheekbone, so you're getting down onto the cheekbone and really plumping the areas that sometimes lose volume as we age. You see a, a nice full round face is a youthful face. That's the modern, the modern view of beauty, facial aesthetics and balance, is uh, looking at volume and trying to uh, replace volume and keep this face full. And when we get too thin, well, that makes us look older. 
getting this down into the deep tissue allows you to add volume, and I think you're right, Dr. Richardson, away from any areas that can cause problems. Because unless you're injecting it into the dermis or too close to the dermis, you're probably not going to ever see any nodules. Sherry, uh, what do you think? I have a quick question. You know, when you guys are talking about it going deep into the tissue and, and into the face, um, as a patient, does that mean that you are going to be, it's going to be a lot more uncomfortable versus uh, a regular filler? Um, you well, know, it's, it's a good question, but I, actually... More painful? Yeah, I, actually, it's, it's less painful because you're further away from the nerve endings. Has that been your experience, Dr. Richardson? That is a very good point, Dr. Rubenstein. I oftentimes do ask my patients at the bedside, how does this feel to you? And the descriptor that they use the most is pressure. They say it just feels like you're inflating a balloon. There's a sense of pressure, but there is no pain. Now, certainly, if you were to inject in an area, for example, adjacent to the infraorbital nerve, which is a sensory nerve under uh, kind of located just beneath the pupillary line. Uh, for the listeners, that can have a little bit of a tingling sensation, but certainly you would draw away from it. But in my experience, everyone always uses the word pressure. There is no description of pain. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I also, haven't... I had another question. Um, if you're talking about the pressure and, and the pain and the variations and stuff, what about... Um, uh, the areas, um, is it something that you can do uh, prior to surgery? Like if you were going to have a surgery, you can have that done if it is, if your face is sensitive to being injected with, with different fillers? Uh, well, it depends on what surgery, at least in my opinion, it kind of depends on what surgery you're talking about. Because if I'm preparing to do a facelift, I probably don't want most of this done because I need to see the natural anatomy as it stands and not okay. as, it, as it's augmented. Uh right. But because I've had friends of mine that have asked me that, and we've had discussions, you know, girly discussions sitting around the table of what their dream is, what they would do if they had, you know, <laughs> the options. So, you know, that's something that we've all talked about in our little round discussions um, as girls. And, you know, it's it's something common in our conversation. So I just thought that if you guys filled that in, it would be helpful to us. Yeah, I think, to me, these are things that are alternatives to surgery. These are things okay. that uh, that are used so that you don't, you, when you're not going to have an operation or you choose to stave off an operation, these are great ways to bridge the gap. And Dr. Richardson, that's a good question for you. At what point you know, how often do you see someone that you say, well, you know, this is something that you really go, need to go see a plastic surgeon for as opposed to continuing with injections? Where I'm finding that sculpture really shines out, it's really for patients who are not surgical candidates for whatever reason. They may be afraid of the anesthesia or they may have, uh, uh, you know, not had a pleasant experience with the first facelift or had a wonderful experience with the first facelift. And now it's, you know, five to seven to ten years later and they want to maybe just do a refreshing. I find it's a great adjunct to plastic surgery because, again, when we're looking at plastic surgery, mini lifts, you know, mid-face lifts, a lot of times we're, we're trimming away the excess soft tissue, the epidermis and dermis, and maybe some fat and pulling uh, deep, uh, more supporting structures like the SMAS, which is a little bit like a sling, I call it, for the face to pull everything back up. You're still left with that bony compartment that has not been addressed. And sculpture is a great adjunct to plastic surgery to maybe perhaps fill in and give that patient a more natural contour to the surface of the skin as opposed to 
what in some cases does result in being a more skeletonized appearance. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and frequently when I'm doing facelifts, I will include fat transfer. We'll do some fat injections to the face for just that reason. And I do have patients that occasionally don't like the idea of having fat transfer or maybe they're not having surgery yet and they want to do something without having to go to the operating room. And sculpture has been a great adjunct. Uh, That's well, right. Dr. Richardson, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We're going to go to a commercial break. And when we come back, we'll be introducing Dr. Jason Posner, who's a board-certified plastic surgeon, talking about radius in contrast to sculpture. We'll be right back right. after a short break here on New Reflections. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. If you need a coronary bypass procedure, you probably want someone you trust and not the biggest bargain in town. You might get more than you bargained for. This is your face and body we're talking about. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust, and you can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation in a multilingual office. That's 305-792-7575. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard and the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Well, welcome back to New Reflections. We just finished talking about Sculptra, which is the first of two structural fillers we're going to talk about, or stimulatory fillers, uh, as Dr. Richardson put it. Now I want to introduce you to Dr. Jason Posner, who's a board-certified plastic surgeon here in South Florida. Dr. Posner, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. It's great to have you. Now, we're going to talk about Radius. Tell me about Radius. What is Radius? Radius. It sounds so strange, doesn't it? Radius is... <coughs> Actually, calcium hydroxyapatite, which is some big words for basically synthetic bone crystals. 
and it's been around for quite some time for cosmetic use and even longer than that for use for voice boxes to restore some of the vocal cords. Right, and I understand uh, that a lot of people are uh, are using the radius, of course, for cosmetic purposes. You mentioned the the vocal cords, and that was one of the first uses of radius. How did it get started in aesthetic use? You know, just just like any of the other products that come along, somebody tried it. They said, "Wow, this works pretty good." Someone was the guinea pig, and then they used it off label for a while, which was, means that it was not approved for cosmetic use but we were able to use it as physicians for whatever route we used to choose it on. And then, after a while, they did some FDA studies, and they got cosmetic approval. You know, currently it's approved for basically nasolabial folds, which are the folds next to your mouth, and that's approved just like all the other fillers are approved for that. However, we do use radius off-label for many other areas of the face, as we do other fillers in other areas of the face. Oh, sure. I mean, you're talking about uh, just FDA, pure FDA indication, and you couldn't use things like Botox anywhere but your the frown lines between your eyebrows, you know, the glabella. That's really the only place it's approved for. But we we do use things off-label all the time. It's very common, particularly in, in aesthetic or cosmetic uses. Where are you using radius in your practice? You know, again, this is off-label use, but my favorite use for radius is in the cheeks. And how do you use it in the cheeks? Well, you use a slightly longer needle than you would use for using in the nasal labia folds, but I typically start with either one full syringe or a half a syringe per side, and we use it. I like to use it deep, so that means just above the bone, and I like it to build up the bone to make it look like you have little cheek implants. And this restores a lot of the facial aging process that we lost as we, we've gotten older. Now that makes a lot of sense to me, but then I have a question for you. There are people that are using it, uh, of course it's, it's approved for the nasolabial folds, but as you mentioned, calcium hydroxyapatite, well there, there's calcium. You know, it's basically a calcium salt that we're injecting, uh, or well, not necessarily salt, but a calcium molecule. And, and that calcium at times, originally, radius was used as a radio-opaque marker, meaning you, know, you kind of inject a little bit and it makes something that it leaves a little spot that shows up on an x-ray because of those the calcium bits. Now, it makes sense that it's going to be around bone. You know, get down into the cheek, your bone is, you know, there's calcium in your bone. That's, that's part of the natural components of your bone. So getting it down onto the bone, into the periosteal area, right, right around the bone, which is what we were talking about with Sculptra, that to me makes sense. But explain to me how it works as a filler in the nasolabial fold. Right. Well, first of all, you know, to go back to the bone, See, when I first started using it, I, would ho I was hoping that maybe it would actually turn into bone, that it would stay. But unfortunately, it didn't turn into bone and it didn't stay, and it just worked a little bit longer than any other filler. So I tell the patients when you're really doing cheek augmentation with this or nasolabial folds, it lasts about a year or so. And for nasolabial folds, just under the skin in the same place that you would place Restylane, Juvederm, or any of the other hyaluronic acid fillers. Huh, okay, and so that you're saying you get about a year duration. In year duration. Areas. I think it's the best bang for your buck that you're going to get any other filler because in a syringe of radius, it's 1.5 cc's as opposed to Restylane, which is 1 cc, and the product lasts twice as long, and we only charge a little bit more for radius than we do for Restylane. You get 50% more, and it lasts twice as long. I mean, it's a great buy. Huh. Yeah, well, I know that radius is really growing in popularity, the 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 duration of one year now after the year because we are using calcium is there any radio opaque material left in the tissue if you took a face X-ray of someone that you'd done radius a year and a half ago would you still see it no it's gone it's gone but again you know radius like Sculptra is a stimulatory filler 
So you do get some new collagen production as well. 30% of the fill is a carrier molecule, and the rest does stimulate some collagen. And there have been some excellent studies about collagen uh, production with this filler, just like Sculpture. And I use Sculpture all the time as well. I mean, I think, you know, it's like a toolbox or a golf bag. We have different tools and different clubs for different areas that we need them. Well, tell me where you would choose to use Sculpture versus where you use Radius. Oh, that's a great question. Okay, starting at the top. Okay, your your temples. I think you can use either product in the temple. My favorite is Radius in the temples because it gives you more instant gratification than does Sculpture. You know, cheekbones, Radius, Radius, Radius all day long. Under the cheeks in that sort of malar hollow area, Sculpture, Sculpture, Sculpture for me. And along the jawline, which is something we didn't even talk about, you know, sure. for augmenting the jaw, I love Radius. Someone who's not sure about a chin implant or wants that Jennifer Aniston or Brad Pitt jaw who does not really comfortable with an implant, I love putting it along the jawline. I actually have some in my chin. I did it myself. But now that's got to be a pretty decent amount of material you have to do. You must be using a number of syringes to get that done. You, you know, I always start slow. I'm not one of these people that comes in and does six, seven syringes on patients. I'll start with a syringe or two, and if they want more, they can come back and get it again. Um, I only have one syringe in my chin, and that was enough to take me from needing a small chin implant to feeling a little bit better about myself. Oh, you didn't feel good about yourself, Dr. Potter? I didn't feel good about myself. <laughs> I, needed, I needed a little bit of chin augmentation. <laughs> I have a quick question. Uh, with the cheek augmentation, now that is uh, something that is so desirable amongst women because it gives you that sort of instant model look if you don't already have that in your face. Um, when you go to the doctor and you're asking them, how are you, how are you able to ask them their expertise without being offensive? Um, coming from a patient's standpoint, uh, not to yeah, offend the doctor, but to find out their experience in doing the cheeks because that would it, be so visible. Yeah, I think you just ask. It's like anything else when you're going to see a doctor. You just have to ask them what their experience is. And I think you, you get a vibe when you visit somebody and how trustworthy they are and how much they're doing it. And you get a sense of, of comfort. And if you don't have that sense of comfort, as a, you know, we did a whole show on choosing your plastic surgeon not that long ago. And if, if you don't have the comfort level that you need to have when, you, when you're choosing the doc that's going to do these things to you, you ought to go, just go and find somebody else. This is, you know, it's a good point to make here. Injections are still a procedure. Non-surgical doesn't mean non-risk. So right. when you're having injections done, you do want to be in experienced hands, and you want to go to someone like Dr. Posner who does a lot of these type of injections. Well, that's important. Since Dr. Posner, do, Posner does so many different injections, do you suggest anything for under the eye when you start having the hollow areas in the eyes? Is there a filler for that? Not radius. Okay. <laughs> Not radius. That, yeah. that way people, you know, you say, oh, this is going to be great. It lasts a long time. It gives you a lot of fullness. No. You know, I, I like hyaluronic acid products under the eyes, Restylane and Juvederm, or even the mentor product, Prevel, is yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think you want to use something really thin. And I think part of the problem, I mean, you're, you're a very quick answer to say definitely not radius. I think that comes from the same thing we were talking about with Sculptra. If you get into thin skin, if you get this stuff too close to the skin or in the dermis, you're going to have potentially some nodules of the granulomas that, that you hear about sometimes when people talk about radius and other uh, fillers like this. I mean, have you personally seen any of those nodules? You know, you know I, I think you need to be um, 
you know, our definition of nodule versus, you know, versus granuloma. You know, radius, all the studies show zero granuloma rate with radius, and that's a Yeah, typical, but, you know, a, I think, you know, granuloma versus nodule, that's a great yeah. discussion for doctors, but at the end of the day, the patients just care about do they have a bump in them or yeah, not. Yeah, bump so. in the face, right. Yeah. You know, the bottom line is don't put radius too close to the skin. You know, and, and that's, that's the thing. I like deep injections with radius, and you don't use it on real thin skin, people right under the skin. Everyone used to get into this argument about where you put these fillers, in the skin, under the skin. All the right. studies show it gets under the skin, but this is why experience counts. And, right. and you know, for a plug, board certified plastic surgeon, dermatologist, facial plastic surgeon are the people with the most experiences with this. And a lot of the, you know, the fly by night people who started doing this yesterday because they weren't making enough money delivering babies are probably not the right people to go to for some of these more advanced <laughs> techniques. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, like I said, we did a whole show on choosing a plastic surgeon, and that is the take home message. Make sure you're seeing someone who's properly board certified. And when it comes to plastic surgery, Someone who's board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery, just like I am, just like you are, Dr. Posner, and, uh, and, and all the guests that we'll have on this show that are plastic surgeons, also all the dermatologists be board certified. We're out of time. We could, you know, you're, I love having you on the show. I'd love to have you back. Okay. We're, we've just run out of time on this show. There's so much to talk about with fillers. If you're interested in having any of these fillers done, you can go Google their names. You can go to the, the websites of the manufacturers and find a good board-certified plastic surgeon, dermatologist in your local area. Interview one or two and choose someone you feel comfortable with. Next week on New Reflections, we're going to have a special show dedicated to moms. We're going to do a show mm. on the mommy makeover. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. We'll see you next week on New Reflections. We hope you stayed informed and entertained today on New Reflections. Please join your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, again next Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You can also email the doctor at info at dr-rubenstein.com or visit his website at www.dr-rubenstein.com. And don't forget to join us next Saturday for new reflections on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a beautiful weekend.